0: A Shared Curiosity, a podcast and community for parents and educators. Hear from pioneering educators who are taking risks and shaping the future of education. Kia ora koutou, kou toko and welcome to A Shared Curiosity. I'm Kate and I feel really honored to introduce to you Rebecca Bassett-Smith. She's a primary school teacher at Silverdale Primary School and she has been using learning through play in her classroom for about four or five years now. What I love about hearing her journey through finding walker play and then Reggio, and trying things out is she's recognized throughout it that she has been a learner and there's some vulnerability there, especially when you're trying to be a learner and a teacher at the same time. So I really hope you enjoy this.
1: How did you get into play? How did that start? Um, I have got four boys. Mm-hmm. So my eldest two started school and they didn't actually settle until they are about six and a half, so halfway through year two. Mm-hmm. They are typical Outside boys, sandpit boys, in the bush, mud, kick balls, and learn through being outside and being yeah. active. Yeah. So, the formal um, schooling that we were running for those new entrants just wasn't working. So, at that time, after my first two started school, I actually came back full time. And that's when I realised right, what we're doing is not working. Mm. If it's not working for my two boys, there's got to be other children that's not working for as well so i started researching play um and sort of different things that we could do for those those new entrants to make that transition as seamless and as easy and as fun as possible sure um so got into that um started researching play there's a whole lot of different things um that i looked into there was um obviously reggio and montessori steiner um there's one called Walker Learning which is Australian based um, and I sort of had a look, I was looking at what early childhood centres do and how I could incorporate Teferiki in mm-hmm. um, and so I just we just sort of changed what I was doing in my classroom and made a huge difference to the wellbeing and happiness of those students and achievement data wasn't affected at all. Um, So a proposal to the board was then put forward to introduce play, Mm -hmm. how I um, was sort of trialling it in my class to do um, for the whole team. And then um, during that year, my third child started and what a difference. He just took off as soon as he started Mm. Um, his well-being, his engagement levels his creativity, his curiosity, nothing was stifled yeah. with that transition. And likewise with my youngest who started last year, they are just jumped into learning straight away, they're, because they're not realising that it's, they're not f- formal learning, sitting down at tables, having to do this, writing about meaningless things, read about meaningless things to them, everything's connected through what they're doing in play. Mm. So they're having fun yeah so that's how I got into it and I'm so pleased we did because the um parent feedback that we've got is that it's just um beneficial to so many students and when we had um a parent meeting when we first introduced it we had lots of parents saying oh if only you were were doing this when my other child would start in school it would have made life so much easier um and it's typically for the boys that benefits uh, that benefits yeah. yeah
0: So what did it look like in those early days in your
1: classroom? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I look back and go, oh my goodness how superficial the play was. Um, It was me setting up what I thought was going to be amazing ideas, Um, however it wasn't at all child-led. It was me determining the need. We had a set topic that we had to cover for each term, So I was coming up with ideas, say it was dinosaurs, I would come up with dinosaur um, puzzles and books. Mm. I would come up with an art activity that everyone had to do. And so, yeah, I look back on it now going, yes, I can see there were aspects there that were fantastic, but there was a lot of room for improvement, which obviously we have done over the years. Mm. Um, However, upon saying that, because... um, It was a lot more fun and um, the activities were a lot more engaging um, than everyone sitting down and doing writing now, everyone's sitting down and doing reading now, and maths now, I was pulling out groups within that time. So that did help, Um, so yeah, we've just progressed and progressed since then. Mm.
0: Would you, I was wondering whether, like, you look back on that time, would you do it I'm imagining you'd do it differently.
1: But yes, you... but that's only through experience now. And do you regret doing those Not things? Not at all. No. Not at all, because, they, as I said, they were still beneficial. Mm. Um, The the engagement and the well-being of the students was there. Parents were commenting on how well the trans the transition from the early childhood centre was then at that stage. Mm. So if they were happy then, I mean, oh my goodness, if only they could see what it was like now. But no, there's no way I'd have any regrets about what... Because it's actually through trial and error, mm. um, has meant we've been able to really develop an, a fantastic approach that we deliver now.
0: How were you feeling in that time, like, as a teacher?
1: Uh, overwhelmed probably, because I knew that it wasn't how I wanted it to be delivered yet. Um, I was also supporting the rest of the team who was really adjusting. Some there were some teachers in the team who have been teaching for. 30, 35 years in the very in the same very formal structured way they had task boards they had um, follow-up worksheets to do after each reading activity reading group and things like that so there was a whole mind shift a whole pedagogical shift that I had to support these teachers through as well so overwhelming but also sort of just bubbling because oh my goodness we can see the potential this is this is really amazing mm. and we're on the verge of the start of something new. And at that time, there weren't many schools doing it at all either. So it did mean that we were sort of on our own. Well, um, yeah, what, what you did? We started, do? I started myself in 2015, and so we started in 2016. Wow. Yeah, for the team. So there were a few schools, there were um, Montessori and Reggio schools, mm. um, and if they were doing other public schools, if they were doing play, it was more... A developmental on a Friday morning or having an afternoon block mm. once once a week to do play
0: yeah
1: whereas when we started it was wham it was all day mm. um, straight away every day right, yeah so in some ways we took on too much but in some ways it also meant we could see the shift and the difference was it making a bit quicker mm. sounds like you set the bar quite high we did, <laughs> we did. Um, we achieved it and we look back and we go wow Mm. and everyone would never go back to the more standard formalized way of teaching. How have you documented this kind of journey? In terms of achievement data or in terms I don't know I'm guessing everything. Yeah so we have tracked achievement data for Mm. that initial cohort and we're actually tracking them each year through their primary school here to see if it's made a difference in terms of those core um, skills, those social skills, um, oral language. Mm. So we're actually tracking the, that cohort. We actually track each cohort as well. Mm. Um, then on, we track um, using the Levin scale, the wellbeing and engagement levels. And that's a really powerful way to prove that play is beneficial because if if the children are engaged, have high levels of engagement and deep levels of play, and their well-being they're happy to be at school well it's a win Mm -hmm. you're going to get achievement so it doesn't really matter about the achievement data because if they're happy to be here and and engaged in their learning everything else falls into place Uh, so we track that we have documented um, all our reflections um, and all the modifications we've made over the years um because there have been numerous and i mean even this year this is probably the most stable year that we've had where we haven't made any major adjustments yet (laughs) there's still another two and a half to go but there's still time however we are pretty happy with what we're delivering at the moment Mm. um so we've been documenting the the actual path that we've got the journey we've been on really
0: i want to hear what it's like now but i kind of want (laughs) to go back into what training, what, what research, yep. what were you doing in those early
1: stages? So 2015, that's when I was researching myself, um, and it was just purely through Google. Mm-hmm. I um, Finding what I could find out about learning through play, pay, play-based learning, discovery time, um, all those kinds of ones that come up when you Google that kind of stuff. I spoke to our local kindergarten, because we had a really great relationship um, with some of the teachers there who have unfortunately since moved on um, but they put me in the direction of some um, like child space and early childhood providers that they have found really beneficial and um, even just some NACA the Kindergarten Association um, courses we've been on a few mm-hmm. of those through my researching and googling I discovered uh, Walker Learning oh, cool. um, so that was our initial jump really, Um, and I approached, I emailed Kathy Walker to see if they run any PD in New Zealand, they weren't at that time, so I arranged 50, they said if I could get 50 attendees, they'd come over Mm -hmm. um, and run a course, so that happened early 2016.
0: I was just wondering, what was it about Walker play
1: there? They actually had a structure Mm -hmm. to it. Um, there's a, she's written a really good book called Play Matters, and it really unpacks their walk a learning approach. And to me, for those for the teachers I knew in my team that I had that have a re- had a really formal teaching approach, I thought this would be a good first step because there were components to it. Um, they had a mat time at the start and at the end of their play block, and it was just one morning um, a day. And those mat times they called tuning in and reflection time were actually linked to learning the more formal learning and writing, reading and maths that you'd be doing for the rest of the day. So I thought actually that's a really good transition point for those staff um, members that I knew were going to struggle. Um, And it worked. Everyone jumped on board and they could understand it because the Walker Learning Approach is really quite um, structured in its delivery and mm. um, by the end of our first year in 2016 people have gone whoa this is just too rigid there's no room for movement here so we were able to actually take a little few little things that we like from the walker learning approach um, and incorporate that into what we um, have now so walker learning was probably a big one likewise was, was um, Reggio. So we first decided to mm. um, change our classroom environment, because all the Reggio readings talk about the classroom as your third teacher, mm-hmm. so we really unpacked that as a team about the areas that we wanted in our classrooms, and we wanted them to be, have consistency amongst the team, so we wanted common areas. We knew they were going to look different um, because of different interests, but at that stage it was still quite structured in terms of our termly topic that we had to cover as well. So. There were some um, areas that were exactly the same in each classroom. So the, uh, so the first huge thing we did was get rid of tables and chairs for every child. Mm. So that was a huge, <laughs> huge jump for some teachers. Yeah. However, once they re- and, and actually thinking about it, in our classroom environment, we just put everything out to start with. We just we thought, OK, we've got to put all the activities out that we can think of and all the play invitations that we can think out mm-hmm. and just put them all on the tables in the, in the right area and the kids will just learn so much and it'll be fantastic and yeah we've certainly learned from that <laughs> that um, more is not more powerful less is actually more powerful so the classroom environment was the key thing that we started with and just really looking at the children's interests we started um, trying to work out how we can incorporate the interests into the topics that we were having to teach and just to get the children to make those connections is what we were doing in those early days. If we walk into your classroom now, what mm-hmm.
0: what would it be like? How does it feel?
1: I absolutely love it. Um, we are there's spaces. There's clearly defined spaces. Um, however, it's not to say that children can't move equipment around from space to space. Mm. So you would see children that are actually engaged in a deep level of play, and I actually have the reception room, so I've got the guys that come in fresh. Mm. They stay with me for about a term, and even um, with these little ones, the depth of play that you see is just, just phenomenal, it's just amazing. And I would say it is partly to do with the classroom environment. So we've got all different areas set up. Everything in the area has, um, in each area, is has a deliberate intention. It's been put there for a particular reason because there's been an interest or there's been a need or a question asked about it. And so it's been put out as an invitation for students to um, go and work with if they want to. Obviously it's not compulsory. They, so they're just free to go throughout the day in any areas of the classroom. And we are here more as a teacher, as a facilitator, really and um, they ask us if they need something, we will say, right, well, let's see what we can help. What else can we do? I got today about um, how is metal made, which was a really interesting one. So yeah. I said, actually, I'm going to Google that and I'll get back to you tomorrow, but. And so we'll have to obviously then do a whole study of rocks I'm, I'm guessing Yeah. which will come into that so that will yeah ignite a whole different sort of path that we can go down How do you
0: feel in that space where you're like actually I've got no idea how mutual space
1: I'm perfectly honest Yeah I say look I actually don't have any idea but I've got some books that we can go and look at we can go and Google it and we can yeah. find out together because I'm a learner as well so it's really nice I think for children to see adults not as the fond of all knowledge but as actually people that are learners as well mm. So the classroom has a really nice, calm feel to it. Behaviour issues don't really happen. Wow. Um, there are ov- obviously are always going to be students, but generally, when they are deep at play, they are so engaged mm. that they just want to keep on doing what they're doing. So there's no need for behaviour to occur. And because there's enough space in the in the classroom as well, mm. we haven't jam packed it with. Lots and lots of equipment, so there is freedom for children to move around as well.
0: So how does, can you talk me through your day? day A typical day?
1: Yeah. So we do have a mat time to start with, and we talk about learning that's going to be happening throughout the day. We sort of share the visual timetable, as most classes do really. We um, might share a new invitation that's been out on offer. Generally children come into school and they've already actually um, done something that they'd like to share so we can share that. So that we sort of have a little mat time then. Children are free to play and then we have a reflection time at the end of the play where it's a sharing and connections are made. So um, for example, a child today drew a story and they asked me if they could write um, I like my family. They drew on their family, so I helped them write this story. So we shared that. And we're able to make the connections. Oh, do you remember how at writing time we're learning to leave finger spaces and full stops? Look, can you see them on here? So we're actually making connections to what we're going to be learning later on in the day, yeah, which is yeah. really valuable because it's not just coming from me. It's actually coming from their peers. Mm. And they can actually see the evidence in someone else's work as well. So we do that from 9 to half past 10. and okay. um, From half past 10 to just before 11, we actually do whole class Yolanda Sorrel Phonics mm-hmm. and Casey Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. We do that as a whole class um, in my room because I am the reception room, so generally they are all at the same level, however there are times when um, I'm writing with kids later on and I will see a need so Mm. I will actually work with them after that as well. The rest of the day, the second and third blocks, which are an hour for the middle block, an hour and a half for the middle block, an hour for the last block, the children are still free to play, Mm. however during that time we are not an observer. Um, and, and supporting the play. Instead, we are actually withdrawing groups. So we withdraw groups for writing, reading, and maths, but not every child's seen mm-hmm. every day for writing and maths. They are for reading, mm-hmm. but not for writing and maths. Um, so we try and get over the whole week, they're seen at least a couple of times for writing, a couple of times for maths. Mm-hmm. Um, reading is our non-negotiable at our school, so we have to do that every day. Obviously, when I'm not with a group, I roam around and redirect where needed and um, support where needed Mm. and question and make more observations as well. So it's a really nice way to teach. You're Mm. actually um, no longer rushing to get through all the groups. You don't feel the pressure, I've got to meet this achievement level here, but it's actually more more catering to their developmental and learning needs. Mm. So we're actually noticing it, it, well, it's more it's more quality teaching versus quantity teaching, mm. and so the achievement data has not changed. It hasn't dropped. In fact, at the end of last year, we had our highest um, end of year achievement data that we've ever had, wow. and so we think that was because the quality of the play um, that we were doing mm. um, with the children was the best it's been so. Mm, and I guess it's what you're achieving I mean what you what
0: data you're collecting as well but, yes, I mean you is. guys talk about is it the Levine Was it yeah the
1: Levine yeah. thing I mean
0: how happy are your kids well that's the thing
1: yeah. I don't want that for every child and yeah. to come, want to come to school want to be curious want to be creative want to learn so yeah and what do your parents think they are just all for it. They cannot believe how easy that transition to to school is for them, and how they are just so engaged. They, they've said, one um, mum actually said, my child just sat down and just wrote all the letters of the alphabet, then all the numbers. Before that, I couldn't even get her to hold a pen. Mm. But because their development developmentally ready and they're seeing their peers do it, they're just wanting to do it, and to and to make that connection to wanting to do it at home as well. So parents are just loving seeing the enthusiasm and that love for learning develop in their child
0: how are you finding
1: your role as a teacher because um, i'm
0: imagining you talked about at the beginning you felt quite overwhelmed mm-hmm. um but bubbling yep how do you find it now
1: still bubbling because it's the best way to teach it's so much fun i come to school just excited to be here excited to see what path we're going down that particular day because every day is different Mm. you don't know what you're going to get Um, for example the other day we stepped in some poo um, and a child had accidentally just fell out of their pants as we were walking and we went down a whole discovery we actually learned about dung beetles because we stepped in poo so the whole you never know what you're going to get it's absolutely hilarious Um, but it's yeah it's just so much fun yeah. And I actually no longer feel a weight on my shoulders for, oh my goodness, I've got to get them at this particular level. Obviously, National Standards are gone as well. However, because we're integrating so much, mm. we're, we're actually being a lot more time efficient. Mm. So we're actually, yes, we might be doing um, building with Mobilo. We're also doing maths. We're also doing writing. Everything's all linked, we're doing reading because we're interested in trains that we've made out of Mobile. Everything's just so integrated mm. that it's just it's just an easy way to teach. Yeah. It really is. Yeah.
0: So if you were talking to your old self at mm-hmm. the beginning kind of
1: stage, what would you say to them? Keep on going. Yeah. Don't give up. Don't be daunted by it. Um because as you're understanding of play and developmental stages of children um, gets better it, you'll actually find it gets easier mm. yeah the main thing would be don't give up you will see the benefit in the children even in those early stages we saw the benefit you said that play kind of
0: reignited your passion as yeah well.
1: yeah because it is fun because you see straight away those connections being made for those children. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, what is just amazing is when you see that transfer of their knowledge to a new situation, and and that's what you want. Mm -hmm. That is the key for learning, isn't it? For them to be able to apply it to a new area of learning um, and make that connection themselves. And to be able to actually see that is just so powerful. It's just so invigorating as a teacher to go, right, I've helped help scaffold that child to be able to understand enough to make that connection and, uh, and apply it to something new. Can you
0: think of an example of that?
1: Oh I can probably think of heaps. I've been trying to teach them about action and reaction because a child was interested in um, volcanoes mm-hmm. so we made a volcano in the sandpit and we actually I actually used oh look it's made a reaction so that well what's a reaction what's an action so we actually that triggered a whole big conversation. One little girl the other day said she held up a um, magnetic whiteboard duster mm-hmm. and she said, Mrs. Bassett Smith, look at this. She said, my action is holding this magnetic duster. She said, but look, when I turn it upside down, oh sorry, she had put a nail on it on top of it as well. She said, the reaction is the magnets hold it and it doesn't, doesn't fall off. So she was actually using that scientific language that we'd introduced mm-hmm. to something else totally unrelated to volcanoes and um, action reaction but she was able to explain this so just seeing a whole lot of connections like that is really powerful mm.
0: it sounds like you you figured it out you've got
1: you you know for you... now we've got it, <laughs> it, doesn't feel like that? S- it, it yeah for now we're, it's pretty solid what we're doing but that's not to say it's not going to continue to evolve um as we continue on this journey, because we need to continue being reflective mm. about our practice, because there's always room for improvement. Mm. So it's just being open to that kind of reflective practice, it is. really. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So finishing up, thanks so much. Oh, so, you're welcome. I'm, I'm I, as you, uh, yeah, I could talk for hours.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'd love that. Um, I just feel really honoured. Um, is there any quotes? I was also thought thinking, was there a book or an article, something that just really connects to you
1: that you've... So, as I've mentioned, I do really love um, that play matters. I do um, really like the Reggio, 100... Um, oh, the names that totally escaped me. I can see the cover of the book, The Hundred Languages. Nice. Um, but there is a lovely quote that I really like. By um, Lois Magalusi from the Reggio Approach, it's learning and teaching should not stand on opposite banks and just watch the river flow by. Instead, they should embark together on a journey down the water through an active reciprocal exchange, teaching constraints and learning how to learn. And so that just really reinforces how connected they should be, how it should be a lifelong journey. Learning should be a lifelong journey and it just should be all connected and enjoyable
0: it's so beautiful cuz it links into your first story about the metal it and does. Not knowing. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Doesn't
1: it? Yeah. I <laughs> made that connection. <laughs> there obviously there's something subconsciously going on. I need to go down this path about metal and rocks. Yeah,
0: and yeah. that kind of vulnerability as a teacher. It is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, there's a whole lot of quotes that that obviously I I sort of do really resonate with me, but that one particularly um really is quite reflective about the journey that we've been on as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks so much to Rebecca for sharing your journey with us. Um, if you enjoyed that, please share it with everybody that you can and check out our website for
1: upcoming new episodes. Ka kite.